Welcome back to Capitalize Your Fridays. This is Michael Williams. I'm the founder and president of Altius Financial. And I'm Taylor Dennis, Senior Wealth Design Specialist and VP of Altius Financial. So for those of you who maybe followed along in our Terminology Tuesdays throughout 2022, you may have noticed that we kind of just listed out a ton of different terms and financial jargon that sometimes you maybe even want to dive a little further into. One of those terms that we've listed was market capitalization, or market cap for short. And it kind of occurred to me that while this jargon may be common knowledge day-to-day for Mike and I, or for maybe our financial colleagues, or people who are really in tune to the financial markets, that may not be the case in many households. So today's goal is really just to kind of clarify what is market cap, I mean, what's the definition, how does it apply, maybe how we use it for making investment decisions, and kind of just clarifying that. So if it's something you hear on the news or if it's something you see on an article, then you could kind of connect that back and say, oh, no, I get what that means. And I, I get how that applies to me. So today, so today we're going to talk about market cap. Yeah. Oh, you're just jumping right into it. I, I was going to ask you how you're doing. <laughs> Sorry, I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing good. It's uh, It's been busy. Yeah, crazy So I've been, I've been meaning to ask you, this is just totally unrelated, but it, I don't know, maybe we could connect it somehow. But uh are you still thinking about like raising chickens or something like that? Oh gosh, yeah, I'm going to be the crazy chicken lady. <laughs> I mean, I I don't know if you have much experience with chickens. I I actually had the experience you know, growing up. I I had this wonderful experience of spending time on my grandmother's ranch in Wyoming, and so I got my fill of chicken, fill in the blank, <laughs> <laughs> poo, <laughs> and lots of other animals. Uh, <laughs> You know, growing up on a ranch, at least in the summertime, uh, you learn a lot about, you know, what's great about agriculture and raising livestock and so forth and what's not so great about it. But I'm curious, what's the deal with the chickens? So for me, I think a lot of my decisions around my lifetime have either been finance focused or food focused or ideally a combination of the both of the two. Um, I was always that kid who had like a backyard sale or... I was trying to sell my parents jelly beans that they bought me and like, this is a blueberry muffin, but it's three jelly beans that'll taste like a blueberry muffin. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why that one comes to mind. But so this was kind of something where I think during the COVID initial time period, um, I continued to think, well, how do I source my food? Maybe I want better food. I want to have. So was it the quality of the food or was it more like a self-sufficiency type of thing or both? Or I think it's a little bit of both. It was the concept of, well, if I go to the grocery store and I can't buy eggs, but if half the things I want to bake involve eggs, well, that's SOL. I mean, what am I going to do? Yeah. I don't have eggs. Yeah. <laughs> and then I thought, well, what's the quality of what I'm consuming as well? There seems to be a lot of recent knowledge and passing on information around, well, what are we consuming and how does that relate to how our bodies are healing and how we're just continuing on? So I, I'm not going to say I'm, I mean, I'm definitely still going to eat a bag of Doritos, but ideally <laughs> I'll kind of balance that out with maybe some fresher foods. Which, some organic so, chicken eggs. Yeah, organic chicken eggs. Dur- and, <laughs> atomic Doritos. Yeah, maybe some fresh, I don't know. So how, how, how ambitious goods. are you about this whole project? I mean, obviously uh, yeah, uh, you don't have any chickens yet, right? No, 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 but not So yet. like, are you going to try to, you know, have a whole chicken farm? Maybe that's a good segue <laughs> that you're going to have... What's your market cap going to be for your chicken raising uh, enterprise? Yeah, so we're we're looking at small cap to micro cap situation. This is a <laughs> backyard homestead 
situation where we'll probably start out with maybe three chickens, maybe four, with the thought of working up to 10. I hear there's a thing called chicken math where essentially you buy a chicken or a few chickens and then you quickly decide, oh, this is great. And adding more doesn't really make anything any harder other than just maybe a little bit more poop to scoop. <laughs> so, That's a lot a of, harder. <laughs> so a lot of people quickly find that starting with a couple quickly becomes a couple dozen. I don't well, want to get like that crazy. Well, it's like with anything, crazy. right? If you get into it and yeah. before you know it, you're you're an enthusiast and you're you're getting all the additional equipment. This is what will make you more efficient. This is what will make your chickens more comfortable or better producers of eggs or whatever. And so you, you get into it and you learn about it. That, that's kind of interesting. Um, so you wanted to talk about market cap today, which I think is kind of a basic idea, but I think we can, you know, add some value to our listeners understanding this whole, you know, way of talking, you know, some, sometimes the financial planner talk or investor talk, uh, we could break down more, but let's first yeah. do our disclaimer, right? Yeah. I'll get us started with our disclaimer real quick. This podcast is for general informational purposes only and does not constitute the practice of investment advice or financial planning. No advisor client relationship is formed by the broadcasting of this episode or your listening of what we say. The use of this information or any materials linked to this podcast is at the user's own risk. The content in this podcast is not meant as a substitute for professional financial advice. If you're needing specific financial advice for your situation, please reach out to your certified financial planner. Or if you're interested in learning more about our firm, our people, or our philosophy, feel free to reach out to us through our website, which is altiusfinancial.com, or contact us directly by email at taylor at altiusfinancial.com or michael at altiusfinancial.com. Just so you're aware, that is A-L-T-I-U-S financial.com. So as you said, this is a lot of this information is pretty direct, pretty straightforward, informational. So I kind of just maybe listed out a few questions I can ask you to kind of walk our listeners through, well, what is a market cap? How do I calculate a market cap? Where do I find this information? Um, and let's just start right there. What is market capitalization? What does that mean? Well, it's usually referring to a company, uh, usually a publicly traded stock, although it doesn't have to be. I mean, it's Market cap is another phrase for valuation in a sense, valuation on a public market or a tradable market. You know, market means, so there's two parts, you know, there's two words, market and capitalization. Sometimes we, you know, often shorten it to just cap, but cap means capitalization. The market part of it means, well, markets means there's two, at least two people who are trying to trade something of value. And coming to a price discovery or price agreement, um, and with complicated stock markets, you're talking about multiple people and and frequent trading of shares in a company. Um, and by publicly traded company, I mean you know companies that are typically larger uh, and have met certain standards to be traded on a on a, an exchange like the New York Stock Exchange or or something like that or the Nasdaq. So that's the first part, you know, it's, it's a tradable thing. And capitalization is, well, what's the value of it right now? And um, the easiest way to figure out what market capitalization of a particular company is, it's a very simple calculation. If you know the number of shares that are outstanding, and then you say, okay, what's the current traded price? You multiply those two figures, you know, the, the price per share times the number of shares that are outstanding gives you a number. And that is the market cap. And that is presumably what the company, that company is valued at 
on that exchange on that day or in that minute, right? Yeah. That's so, what market cap means. And so the larger the number, the larger the capitalization, the more valuable, presumably, not presumably, but you know, in dollar terms, that's the, the value of that, you know, that company on that market that day. So, I mean, how do you break down, like, what is the value of a small cap, a medium cap, or a large cap? Like, what, what are those numbers? Well, that's not necessarily agreed upon uh, across the financial community. Um, some companies who are rating, a lot of this is for purposes of trying to decide how should I invest my money. And Wall Street uh, and the Wall Street community, including rating agencies or research firms, oftentimes use different definitions. And that, that can change over time, especially because the capitalization of these firms can change over time. Uh, with general market conditions. But what happens is they, they kind of rank. They say, okay, the top 100 companies or the top 500 companies. You know, the S&P 500 is you know, 500 companies that meet certain standards according to S&P or Standards and Poor's, which is a rating uh, research company, uh, and that's their index. But so you can think of it as you know, if that math comes out to a larger number, and typically it's in the billions for large caps, when I say that math, the shares outstanding times the current price per share equals the value of the company that, at that time. And like I said, that, that, that for large cap companies in the U.S. Uh, or even around the world, that, you know, that's typically billions of dollars. And the process is saying, okay, let's just rank them purely on that number. The larger companies end up being called large caps and then the very small ones are called small caps. In fact, there's really five categories that... Wall Street uses now. There's what we call mega caps, you know, the very, very top end of the market, the Apples and the Googles and the companies that are worth a lot of money based on their current stock price. Yeah, the ones that are like hit that one trillion, like that, exactly. that range. And then and then you have the uh, the very tiny companies that are still publicly traded that are micro caps. So and then the the three in between are the you know the small cap, mid cap and and then the large cap companies. And, and that's all it is. It's, it's kind of a racking and stacking of the size of the companies on any one point in time. So oftentimes people will say, oh, I got to be careful. I, I have X exposure to small cap companies. And it seems that people imply that that means they're more risky. Why might that be the case? And is it always the case that small cap is going to be a more risky investment? Well, I'd say that's a good generalization. I mean, uh, a company that's got a large capitalization, meaning they have lots of shares outstanding and they have a certain price per share that makes it such they're higher in the ranking purely on valuations. Well, how did they get there, right? Why are they so, quote, valuable? Why, have that, why did that combination of both the shares outstanding and the price per share get to add up to a trillion dollars? Well, they did something successful, right? Yeah, did uh, generally. Something, now, right? now you can have you know big companies who are maybe not as successful, but generally, what it means is they're profitable. They're serving lots of people. You know, in the case of the most valuable company in the world today, and that's based on you know what I'm looking at right now, that's Apple. You know, Apple is worth over two trillion dollars, which is a big number, you know, massive that's number. Huge. They please a lot of their customers. I mean, there's a lot of people out there who have Apple devices and services. So they're a successful company at bringing to market things that people want and, and are willing to pay a lot for, and that makes them profitable. And that is how we end up having a price that's bid up for the shares of that company because people want to see a profitable company they, in their own interest. If they're a shareholder, they're saying, "Okay, I want a company that's that's you know going to give me a return on my a return of my money and on my money." So I invest in Apple, 
and I hopefully can get my money back and then have it grow because they're so profitable. That's, that's the general principle. Well, so should investors who are more conservative be focusing primarily on those mega caps, or is that a false sense of security? I'd say that's a little bit of a false sense of security. And it's not that small caps are riskier all the time, to go back to your previous question, uh, but they generally are. I mean, uh, the smaller a company is, the less successful they've been in their marketplace, or maybe the newer they are. And new doesn't always mean more risk, but you know, if you have somebody... If you have a company that has a long-term track record, they've been doing this for a long time period and they know their market, they know their customers, and they've been through the ups and downs of the economy and so forth, they're probably more reliable as a profit-generating machine than someone who's just jumping into the market. Yeah. So market cap does make a difference in terms of general security versus or volatility versus safety. But the stock market itself, you know, whether you're talking about these mega cap companies like Apple, you know, Apple has had significant drops in value. A person could buy it one day and literally weeks later have 20% less value. And that's a pretty big chunk of, of uh, a pretty big drop off in terms of negative returns. So a person needs to realize that uh, all the stocks out there can have short term volatility. Small caps typically will have more in volatile times. But then you have to dig down and to say, okay, well, what about which small caps am I talking about? What industry are they in? What do their actually particular economics mean versus, you know, what's going on with the larger companies as well? So I was going to ask you, what does the market cap tell us about the company beyond just what the size is? It sounds like you're saying it could lead to telling us maybe the age of the company, you might find that the smaller companies are younger, newer companies. Is there anything else that the market capitalization is going to hint at for when you're reviewing a company? Well, that's the operative word, hint at. Yeah, it hints at a lot, <laughs> but it doesn't tell you anything. Uh, it, you know, it really is that simple math. You know, how many shares, price per share, that's the capitalization. Okay. Does, it, does it meet a certain threshold? Okay, now we call it a mega cap, or now we call it a mid cap, or whatever. It, you know, it... it, it it gets compared to companies in that in that same general capitalization, or did it go down below a certain amount? Uh, and now we call it a mid cap, or now we call it a small cap. Uh, that's all that a person should really think about as an explicit. That's what capitalization means. But again, there are lots of things that it potentially could hint at, and the main things we've talked about as far as okay, larger, more established. Likely, uh, but the, a company can become pretty new. I mean, for example, you know, especially in the technology area, companies can offer new technology, and that seems to be world changing. Uh, I think a good example is Amazon. Amazon came out and had some enthusiasm pretty early on. So they weren't a hundred year old company before they became a mega cap, right? Yeah. And certainly in the area of technology, you can have companies that go from seemingly they were a startup in the garage somewhere to now they're a, they're a, you know, a dominant player uh, and have a large market cap. Oftentimes that that's shortcutting the real history uh, because there are in business or sports or entertainment, there really aren't any overnight successes. But sometimes it feels that way, especially in the technology area, that something happened that quickly that it became you know, a dominant player. Well, and you're also kind of seeing this once the company becomes public. So there's that whole process of the company founding itself, building up before it even goes to the public markets. And that's another good point. You can ha- you could have a private company that would would end up being potentially a large cap. There are there are several large 
companies in America that are privately held, not publicly traded on any, on any exchange, but their, their valuation. Now, again, what do we mean by valuation? Still, the number of shares that they have outstanding, the price that they're putting on, it's not maybe determined by uh, public trading, day-to-day trading, but they still have to do some valuation work to say, okay, here's what the value of our assets are. Here's what the value of our overall profit stream is. And you can put a, put a value on them. Publicly traded companies have typically a stricter, oftentimes I should say, a, a stricter criteria for you know, the accounting standards that they're going through. But large, large private companies do similar things. Uh, they just don't necessarily have to comply with all the publicly traded exchange rules. And so you can have large companies that have large market caps that aren't publicly traded. Well, so how do investors use the market cap to make investment decisions? What's kind of coming to my mind is you and I have kind of talked about that morning star chart where you've got the, it almost looks like a Sudoku page. <laughs> so you've got the, nine, the nine squares and the yeah. grid and you're kind of comparing, well, how big is the company? What kind of investment strategy are they taking or are they implementing? I mean, what what's your thought on how investors will use market cap to make these decisions and what do they necessarily need to pair with with that base information before they can really make a purchase decision? Well, it's one of those things where you're, you're talking about trying to potentially either increase the return by, by taking some more risk uh, or reduce the volatility by taking less risk by, by investing in larger companies. But th- it's just one factor. And, and Morningstar made that grid sort of famous. And so there's nine boxes. And we're talking about, I mentioned mega cap and micro cap, but those aren't even on that grid. It's the, you know, on, on the one hand, they're measuring small, medium, and large companies, but they're also dividing it up into categories such as valuation, you know, value companies versus growth companies. And that's, you know, that's something that's uh, debated amongst academics and financial professionals about what counts as a value company versus a growth company. But that's that's what Morningstar is doing is making that kind of a way to categorize uh, companies or mutual funds, collections of companies, um, into a way of saying, are you diversified? Um, and the key to diversification is, is you know, if you don't know, then you diversify. You don't put all your eggs in one basket. And the thinking was, okay, if I have some small caps and I have some large caps and I have some large caps that are in the value side and I have some large caps that are on the growth side, vice versa, that's one way to diversify my portfolio is to take less risk, to try to get the most return for the least risk. And there's certainly other ways to do that, right? Uh, by industry. You can drill down and say, well, I want a large cap company in the technology industry and I want some small cap companies in the energy industry. Um, so you can do it by industry or uh, certainly location, geographic location. Where is this company do most of its business? Where is it domiciled? Is it a foreign company or is it a U.S. company? And those sometimes have different characteristics with regard to risk and returns and valuation. And so a good financial advisor and a good a good asset allocator will, first of all, determine the, the clients, the investors' risk tolerance and what might be appropriate and match that up to the current environment with regard to capitalization and as well as many of those other risk factors and build a portfolio that will be acceptable as far as the kind of risk that uh, they either need or are comfortable with. I think you kind of touched on this earlier, but so when you're starting out and it's maybe a newer company, they might start with a smaller cap. Do companies often change their market cap? Are they, will you find that it's, 
I mean, when you've got a new company and you're just going public, is it going to start out as a small cap and then work its way up to a mid cap and then work its way up to a large? Well, in one sense, they don't determine it, right? Yeah. Because it's a trading thing. Uh, The valuation is put on the company's shares by either internal accounting measures in in the court, in the face of a, or in the case of a private company, but more what we're talking about are publicly traded companies. And so what are they trading at? And so market cap changes every day. Now, whether it changes as far as the category, you know, oh, now this company slipped from a large cap company into a mid cap company because they've lost value. You yeah. know, they, their share price has dropped a bunch and now they're no longer a large cap company. They're a mid cap company that you don't usually have that kind of sudden drop off. I mean, you'd have to have some kind of major news for a company to go uh, to jump categories significantly in a day or so. But the, the capitalization itself is changing every day because uh, there's, I mean, most companies that are traded have some changes in price throughout the day. And that yeah. means their capitalization, the value of the company overall, isn't the same in the morning as it is maybe on, at the end of the day. Yeah. Companies don't necessarily, I mean, presumably all companies want to be very profitable and their, their owners and their managers are trying to succeed. Uh, and oftentimes the, the best measure of success of a company is, are you profitable? Are you returning capital? Are you getting a return on your capital? Are you returning money to the shareholders? Do they have a regular profitable stream of income that they can spend on either buying more shares of the same company or consume, you know, increase their lifestyle or buy more shares of another company, but they can increase their wealth or consume more. Consume more. Um, that's the, the measure of success. And again, if they're successful, then they're climbing that ladder of capitalization because they're, they're either increasing their market share or becoming more profitable. Or for some reason or another, investors like them and are willing to bid up their prices, meaning that the, the, the value that the marketplace places on them is growing. They can sometimes change. You don't necessarily want a company that's jumping up one day and down the next, but that's not too, super common anyways. That, that doesn't happen very frequently. And, and ideally, you know, if you were a market timer and you could say, okay, this company's going from a micro cap to a, to a mega cap in the next four days, that, you know, that doesn't happen <laughs> but typically. Um, but if you were able to say buy it as a micro cap and sell it as a mega cap, you know, then you probably have made a lot of money, but that, that's pretty hard to do. Sometimes people get lucky on that regard. But again, that, that usually doesn't happen with those kinds of changes in market capitalization that quickly. Well, so what other valuable ways should investors be using to classify companies? I know you kind of touched on this a little bit earlier, but are there any key classifications that we should be talking about today? Well, we mentioned the big ones, you know, geographic diversification, um, capitalization, industry. Those are all uh, kind of at a macro level what, what people should be considered as far as considering as far as diversification. But then it, it is important to understand. And now, again, this, this comes back to whether uh, a client and an advisor feel comfortable evaluating specific companies and then being able to say, well, I want this kind of a uh, a basket or a collection of companies in my portfolio or outsource that to a mutual fund manager or someone else or it just to an index. But if you say, no, I do want that. I want to have uh, specific individual companies within specific industries, then there's all kinds of ways of actually evaluating both the diversification factors of those companies against each other 
uh, and the value um, of those companies. And, and again, it comes back to profitability. Ultimately, it comes back to earnings ability. The overall value, which we're talking about when we're talking about market capitalization, is going to be driven typically by earnings, profits. Um, now, that, that can, in any one market environment or at any one point in time, the general market may not really recognize a company's uh, value because they're discounting their earnings. They're saying, okay, well, this company is in, a, in an industry that's starting to slow down or become obsolete. So most of the market be going, okay, well, they're really good earner right now, but they're not going to be a good earner in the future, so we'll put a lower price on them. And they might be wrong. The, you know, the majority of the market could be wrong. Generally, the market's not wrong. You know, when you have, especially when you have a free market, you know, again, I can go off on my rant here, but <laughs> if you have a free market where you have uh, relative uh, good access to information, that information travels quickly, and you don't have a lot of government distortion in terms of the pricing of these things, then you know most companies are probably reasonably priced. Okay. Um, but over time, you can find companies that are that are that are better priced or maybe overpriced. Another thing that might be helpful to touch on before we kind of wrap this up is the impact on market cap when it comes to privately held companies. So um, I know we've talked about potentially acquiring another financial firm. But when you're looking at buying another business, and especially when you're looking at buying smaller businesses, knowing what that business is worth, knowing what that business's market capitalization, even in a private standpoint, is helpful to say, well, can I afford to buy it? When you're looking at publicly held securities, you're maybe saying, well, I'm just going to buy one share or a couple shares or X amount of shares. You can buy it based on how much you have available to buy in that into that investment. But when you're looking at it in a private way, you're often going to say, well, I'm either buying all of this company or I'm buying X percentage of this company with whoever else is investing in it. And so it's helpful to note, can I even afford to buy this? Because in, in private markets, you're likely going to have to buy, someone's going to buy the whole amount. And if you're well, not necessarily. Decide. Not necessarily. I mean, the thing is that you can have fractional shares of a private company all the time. This is what's beautiful about property rights and and the corporate structure that we have, and generally the, the free market system. You can have fractional reserves or fractional shares of a company that's private or publicly held. Obviously, publicly, it's easier because there's pricing that that's more transparent and and shown on a on an exchange on a daily basis, but. Um, the, the factors are the same. In fact, it's interesting that you bring that up. I mean, uh, we, we follow lots of good value investors um, and have that approach. And one tenet of value investing is to say, again, don't think of a stock as anything other than a share in a company that's supposed to be productive and profitable. And evaluate that one share. Even if you're a tiny shareholder in a big company, a mega cap company like Apple or Amazon or Berkshire Hathaway or whatever it might be, even if you can only afford one share, yeah, you should be evaluating the company as if, well, what is the whole company worth? Yeah. Even though I can't afford to buy the whole company, if I did have that much money, what would I pay for it? And then just do the math and say, well, that means this is what I'd pay for one share, whatever that percentage share is worth. And the same thing is true of a private company. You're always wanting that principle of saying, let me think of the entire enterprise. What is this company worth overall? 
And then that will drive, well, this is what I'd be willing to pay for one chair of it. Because yeah. that one chair is basically representative of the whole company. And it's interesting you mentioned our clients are familiar with those big cap companies that are, or mega cap companies that are on the public markets. But they'll, they'll recognize some names of, of private companies, companies that are, you can't buy and sell on a public market, but they, they're familiar with They've heard of them. I mean, most people have heard of Mars Candy Bars. Mars is owned by the Mars family, and but there are also non-Mars family shareholders in that company. Uh, same thing is true of Cargill. Cargill is one of the biggest uh, agricultural businesses in the world, really, and it's not publicly held. Uh, the Coke brothers, uh, the Coke Industries, you know, a trucking company are actually energy trucking. They have a lot of different companies. Yeah. So there's a bunch of um, if anybody does uh, like road trips, you know, I don't know, I don't know if you're you've done some road trips. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you if you see these. Uh, Flying J, um, kind of restaurant, gas stations, truck stop type things uh, throughout, especially the West. That's a large, large private, com- privately held company that's very profitable. So there are companies out there that are non, non-traded that you and I can't buy typically. Uh, and then or that are, we maybe could buy in a portion versus right, the whole thing. Right. But typically, yeah. if you're going to go into a private company like that, you can't buy a, a small share. You can't buy. Yeah. You typically can't buy a small fraction. Unless there's some kind of sweet family and friend deal that is being uh, offered to people, but usually, if you're going to be buying into a large private company, you're going to be taking a big, a fairly big share. And they're trying to raise capital. They're trying to, they're wanting your cash, and you get, you know, a certain share of the company and a certain amount of control or a vote on the board. Yeah. Well, and that's why, especially when you're looking to buy a larger portion of a company, in that way understanding what is the overall market cap of that company could be helpful in making your decisions around, well, can I even afford this? Is this something even feasible for me? Yep, absolutely. Well, thank you everyone for tuning into our podcast. We invite you to follow, like, friend us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. I really hope that this was a beneficial, clarifying episode for our listeners. As always, we're trying to kind of continue to make sure that Altice focuses on having education and educating our clients and our listeners. So if there's anything that comes to mind where you're saying, you know, I'd, I'd really like to get to know more about this specific concept or this specific keyword or finance term, definitely reach out to us. Let us know what you're interested in learning more about because we want to make sure this is valuable for our listeners. If you do have any of those ideas, feel free to reach out to us, taylor at altiusfinancial.com or michael at altiusfinancial.com. You can also check out our our website. We've got plenty of resources there as well, www.altiusfinancial.com. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Hope you have a great weekend. Have a fantastic weekend. We'll keep you apprised of the market capitalization of uh, Taylor's egg and chicken growing (laughs) enterprise. (laughs) Yes, my soon-to-be enterprise. Maybe I'll sell to the neighbors or something, combo it with finance and food. (laughs) Thanks, everybody. Take care. Thanks. Have a great weekend.